God has really blessed me. You know, he let me work in D.C., let me work with EIB and Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And he's shown me through all those experiences that there is one problem and one solution, and that's why we do this show. Welcome to A Disciple's View with Todd Herman. When the God of the universe created the world, he didn't snap his fingers or wink his eyes. He could have done all of that. He instead spoke. He said, let there be light. Because we believe we speak about the happenings in this world, mindful that our true home is with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Welcome to a disciple's view. I've never met Matt Gates. I don't know him. I don't know really anyone at the center of the conservative movement that uh, vacated the chair. I agree with just about everything they're saying, though. And we may get to that. We may get to that. I was in D.C. when uh, Kevin McCarthy and Eric Cantor and, uh, gosh, I'm going to, oh, Paul Ryan were the young guns. And they were the ones who were going to change D.C. And they wrote a book, or someone wrote it for them, called The Young Guns. I was at an event where the young guns were being celebrated by the old guns. I was there because uh, those three gentlemen helped me raise money for the committee and helped me with digital and um, every one of them was was a nice person, except for McCarthy. And I'm not saying he was a mean person. He was just not super approachable. Helped us. We helped us help him. And I said we might get to these sounds. Because there's a great audio bit of Matt Gates responding to charges that he's caused chaos in D.C. We may play that. Uh, however, as I often do when I am being mindful of the Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit, before I take to these airwaves, I am in the Word. We call the show a disciple's view not, not to be clever. I don't want this to be my view. I've got a podcast with my name on it. I want this to be a disciple's view. And a disciple agrees to be changed by the Lord Jesus, to follow him, to submit to him, to be baptized in his name, in the name of the, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and then to go on mission with him and to abide with him. And we seek to decrease ourselves and increase him. So I was in the Word, and I just told Adam, who's running things, and Randy's absence, I don't know if we'll play any of these sound clips. And the reason that's happened is it originally gone to, to Psalm 29 and originally was thinking of the phrase, when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. I'm not great yet at remembering scripture, number, and verse, but can do a pretty good job of remembering the statements. So I pulled up that, that psalm. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. And then, when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. And from there, I was inspired to go to 2 Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We have a problem. We are yoked 
to unbelievers. And the bigger the government, the more sturdy and unbreakable the yoke with governments in every form of our life. And yet, not even governing. Matt Gates points out that it's been since the 90s that Congress has a budget. The 90s. One of their few constitutional duties is to create a budget. Now we'd rather not. And so, is it Gates bringing chaos? We are the ones, as a nation, who are yoked together. And there are talks. There's talks about splitting the nation up. And sometimes the talks come from academic circles, sometimes from conservative, even far-right circles, far-left, sometimes moderate circles. So how do we unyoke? I think the first thing is to recognize that from which we're seeking to be disconnected. We will play this soundbite. This, this, I think this is important to think about unbelievers and our God of order. Our God is a God of order. From the grand narrative of the history of the Bible to the future of redemption and victory, he's a God of order. What began in a garden will end in a garden. What began with Adam following Eve into sin, one man's decision, the beginning of that end was with one man's decision to submit a man and fully God. He's a God of order. So Gates is being vilified by the professional Republicans and even many conservatives, but I agree with everything Matt Gates says in this clip. Number one. Do you have that, Adam? I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think $33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single-subject spending bills is chaos. I think the fact that we have been governed in this country since the mid-90s by continuing resolution and omnibus is chaos. And the way to liberate ourselves from that is a series of reforms to this body that I would hope would outlast Speaker McCarthy's time here, would outlast my time here, and would outlast either of our majorities. Reforms that I have heard some of the most conservative members of this body fight for, and some of the reforms that we've been battling for that I've even heard those in the Democrat caucus say would be worthy and helpful to the House, like open amendments, like understanding what the budget is. We have been out of compliance with budget laws for most of my life, most of many of your lives. And by the way, if we did those things, if we had single-subject bills, if we had an understanding on the top line, if we had open amendments, if we had trust and honesty and understanding, there would be times when my conservative colleagues and I would lose. Might be a few times when we'd win. There'd be times that we would form partnerships that might otherwise not be uh, really predictable in the American body politic. What portion of that is chaos. A single topic bill is chaos. 
No, think of the Ten Commandments and the incredible and beautiful simplicity of the Ten Commandments. Think of the verse I just read from Corinthians, the, the, the incredible simplicity. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowships can light have with darkness? It is in complexity that people tend to hide skullduggery. It's the, artist's, it's the, it's the con artist's great tool complexity. How else to hide where the little tiny bead goes when you're doing the bead version of three-card Monty or to hide the cards with three-card Monty? It's complexity. So what about this yoking and big government? Well, am I suggesting that Christians pack up and leave? No. Maybe we shouldn't vote. No, we have to vote. We're told to be good citizens. We're instructed to be that. But how much of our compassion has been parked in committees. How much of what we're capable of doing as the body of Christ have we jobbed out? I don't believe that Christian communities should be having discussions about our kids in the government schools. I think a Christian community should be having our kids in our schools. We're in the world. We don't need to be of it. And I understand that sometimes parents can't afford that. I understand that in rare cases, it's actually better to have your kid go to the public school and see what the world is or to treat it like a mission field. Because sometimes there are kids very given to that, that they can go into a government school and they can take the word of God into that school. But predominantly, I don't think that should be the case. Some of the first hospitals in the world were the result of Christian missionaries building some of the first hospitals in the world. We shouldn't have had to have the discussion about are Christian doctors going to have to obey abortion diktats? Are they going to have to obey injection diktats? That should never have happened. Because the conversation should have been, well, if Christian doctors treat it like a mission field and choose to go into what people like to call the secular world, and work with what people want to believe to be the secular medical system, they can do that as a mission field, but predominantly we should be working within Christian organizations, a parallel economy to be in the world or not of it. Otherwise, we are yoked. It is not just, it is not just Matt Gates and Jim Jordan and others who feel this frustration. It's not even really just a U.S. issue that the people are groaning This didn't get as much attention, and some of it's visual, so we'll play just a little bit of this clip or add just a little bit of it, because some of it's visual, but this is Representative Mike Boast of Illinois. As I say, it didn't make as much news as Gates, but he communicated the frustration many of us feel about D.C. And not the American way. These bills of Connor all the time, and I got to try to figure out how to vote for my people. You should be ashamed of yourself. We can stop it there. He's throwing the bills in the air because they're papers of nonsense. It's the tool of a scoundrel. Best way for me to offer up an example to this, and forgive me if I've shared this example already, is that you sit down to finance a home. So you've agreed to purchase a home. You've agreed to borrow this money from a bank. You've put your down payments up into escrow. 
So here's our $80,000. We're going to sit down. You're going to loan us the rest of the money at some interest rate. And you say, honey, we can't be late. We have the title signing. We have the paper signing. We have to be there. Got to be in and out in an hour. So you sit down and the bank representative comes in and there's your real estate agents and the trust attorney, et cetera. And they pop down 1,400 pages. Well, let's get to signing. Initial on every page. Uh, What? Oh, we rolled some things in. Because we know sometime you're going to want to borrow money to send your kids to college or your grandkids. So we've rolled that in. There's a vacation package. We tossed in some health care. There's some life insurance things in here and a, a couple of annuities we like. We think they're really, really great products. And we know annuities have a bad taste in people's mouths, but we've been very, very careful about that. There's a mutual fund. We did put you in some commodities as well. So, But it's all in there. But we do need to sign because we only have an hour left in the room. So let's get to the signatures and the and the... Wait, I'm here to buy a house. Oh, we do omnibus loans. Oh, we didn't tell you that. We just do omnibus loans. We don't just loan on houses. It all needs to be omnibus. Which one of us signs that? Which one of us initials 1,400 pages? Oh, only our Congress has been conditioned to do that. It requires a pattern interrupt. It's a psychological term. It's to take someone out of a one state of mind and to push them into another peacefully. We'll talk more about this tomorrow. The unyoking begins with being the heart, the head, and the hands and getting back to building far more actual Christian hospitals, actual Christian schools. And for me, recognizing that my responsibility as a father, though my daughter is now closer to being out of her teens than in her teens my responsibility to her has not changed I'm still to raise a godly young woman (laughs) my influence level my ability to force things has changed my leverage is going away it's not too late for us parents and grandparents even of adult kids to build in our homes the unyoking from being tied with these unbelievers because that's really what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. We'll continue on a disciple's view with medical dissent, the cost thereof, and what's coming from the World Economic Forum. This is a disciple's view. I'm Todd Herman. Thank you for listening to A Disciple's View. I'm Todd Herman. Excited for Share Week next week. Is that weird? I've never gotten to do one before. And I it's, I love new experiences to talk to some of the other hosts at AFR. Uh, I'm, I'm jazzed to talk about the why of giving. I mean, we talk, well, in fact, we'll talk about that a lot tomorrow because there is a huge why to continue to support this network. Oh, because you're here. <laughs> no, no, God forbid, nothing like that. Uh, In the last segment, we took a little diversion, but is it a diversion to go to the Word of God? I don't think so. And we've been looking at two core scriptures. One is that when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. 
when the wicked rule, the people groan from Psalm 29, that verse 2. Uh, and we've been coupling that with 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I've been talking about what I believe and what I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to say today is that why are we remaining yoked? Not national divorce conversation, that's a fascinating one. Not even a state divorce conversation, also a fascinating one. You know, parts of California are very, very anxious to join uh, Oregon in joining Idaho. We've become a pretty big state. I happen to live in Idaho. I don't know if I'm interested in that. I know there's some very good conservative Christian people there, but I don't know if I want Idaho to be a bigger place. So it's not even that. It's about remembering that we're to be in the world and not of it. So why have we, as a Christian body, ceded so much of what we're able to do as the heart, head, and hands of the Lord Jesus? Why have we surrendered so much of that? Rather than building more schools and, and more hospitals and more colleges and language centers, I know that money's an issue, but in God, all things are possible. The more that we outshift, the more that we outsource, rather, to government, the bigger it gets, the more voracious it gets, and appetite begets appetite, and now they want everything. And we see Matt Gates; he's the agent of chaos because he said outrageous things, like we should have single-topic spending bills, outrageous chaos, like we need to have 72 hours to read a bill. What outrageous chaos he's introduced, such bizarre ideas that we would actually give ourselves time to seek wise counsel. The fact of the matter is, people of the world are groaning. It, it, It has to be this way. Because God has warned us about what the end times will be like. No, I am not confused into thinking I know when the Lord Jesus is returning. No one knows the day or the time. What I see is what so many other people have seen, and perhaps we're completely wrong. Perhaps it's another millennia until the Lord Jesus comes. But what I see is a one-world government of attitude, a one-world government of view, a one-world government of belief. They don't need to have the one ring to rule them all, I was talking with my, uh, my daughter's boyfriend last night. Good, good young man. God, the young man, really leaning into the Lord. We talked about the Lord of the Rings and the, uh, the Christian metaphors within it and the, 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 the Christian uh, inspiration in that film. We don't need to have one ring, they don't, to rule us all. If they have one set of attitudes, one set of beliefs, one set of tactics they're willing to employ, just in, the Swiss, in, in Switzerland, A man is going to go spend time in jail for being rude. He said horrible, rude things about some women. He called a woman a fat lesbian. She happens to be same-sex attracted, and perhaps she's heavy. It's rude. I don't know that saying lesbian is rude. Fat lesbian is rude. Go in the jail. They're willing to do so many things in common. Canada now has... If you, hey, if you stream audio, you have a podcast, you need to register so you can be regulated. Regulate what? Well, speech. In England, perhaps you've seen this. People are going around and cutting down uh, the closed caption cameras that spy on them everywhere. And it's, it's a big organized. I don't know if it's organized, but it is a big effort. It's being effective. 
I just got this. I didn't have time to read it in hall, but I just looked at it and glanced at it. I get news feeds during the show. They're going to put a guy in jail for applauding people doing that. All he said is, hey, I like that people are doing this. He's going to jail. So I see this one world government emerging. And what does it seek to do? It seeks to control what truth is. It seeks to control if people can speak. It seeks to convince people that our biological sex is fluid. But if you are same-sex attracted, that can never change. However, if you are, in fact, attracted to the opposite sex, that can and should change. It's a one-world government built upon lies. And who is the author of lies? Who is the original liar? That's why I say it seems end-time-ish to me. And the people of the world are speaking. I don't know that I like the tone of what we're about to hear. I don't know that I think it's truth wrapped in grace. Because we are to speak truth wrapped in grace. But then again, I don't know the guy who's saying it. In researching the show, I was looking from people in Congress. Matt Gates saying, this is chaos. This can't last. Bill, uh, this, this other representative who threw the papers about. We played the, the clip of him, Mike Bosch from Illinois, throw, Illinois. Throwing papers up in the air and, in fact, screaming. You should be ashamed. How do we do business this way? to just getting down to someone on social media. I don't even know if I like the tone. But what this audio clip proves here, number four, is this is not a U.S. struggle. It is a global one. This is from Europe. Seems to be around the hotel. Um, But let's not beat around the bush, okay? Everybody, I think, can agree with me that the biggest concern is uh, everybody's welfare and safety. Now, don't take us for fools when you say that these people are refugees. We know they are illegal migrants. If these people were refugees, what are they fleeing from? It's very telling that we're never told what they are fleeing from. What wars are they fleeing from? What countries are they coming from? What are they fleeing? What persecution? We don't know. So we know that they're, by definition, illegal immigrants, which technically makes them criminals, and they should be treated as such. They shouldn't be put up in five-star hotels they should be in cells and they should be told they are not leaving until they pay for their ticket back so my question to you is not where are you going to shift them to in a year's time how are you going to remove them from the country and don't give me an excuse that oh there's the un uh, refugee document that we signed or this is the european court of human rights we voted for brexit this is supposed to be a sovereign country you could easily withdraw from any of those agreements but you don't your party has failed time and time again in 2010 david cameron said he was going to get immigration down How did that work out? We've got higher levels than Tony Blair. And it was his intention to flood this country with migrants on purpose. These people, not all of them, but some of them are going to go on to commit egregious crimes. Rape, theft, murder. And there was a reason why the other day there was that ruckus in Kirksby. And we all know why it was. Because a migrant was harassing a young girl. That is going to happen in Dunstable. It's going to happen in every single part of the country. You need to stop stop this now or you're going to have a serious problem on your hands. Thank you. The more people are told to shut up, the more they're going to speak. Many people are going to do this. This is a global sense. 
It is a global psychological response to a global psychological one world government, the one world government of a psychology. And people can sense that it's a bullying psychology and people can, in fact, go beyond sensing it. They can experience it. And I ask in all the time that we've spent in the Bible together, in all that time, find the instances of the Lord Jesus bullying a person. Ever. People do yearn for freedom. Some people confuse that with self-control. I did for years. Freedom to me was, hey, I can sleep in as late as I want. I used to tell my mom when I was stupid-er, stupider, less smart, when I was a young kid, I would tell my mom, you know what? Being desperately poor and filthy rich are pretty much the same thing because if you're desperately poor, you have nowhere to go, nothing to do. You sleep in as far as you like and you rely on aid of others. And if you're desperately rich, well, then you sleep in all you want. You don't have to work. And of course, it was a silly statement. But I confused freedom with no responsibility, no accountability, not in fact surrendering to anyone. Now I understand that freedom exists in freeing ourselves from our sin desires and in fact agreeing to submit to God. I don't know that that man submits to God. In the UK, I doubt it. It's become completely unchurched. But that, that yearning, that pointing out the obvious that everyone can see, but Matt Gates is an agent of chaos because he said we need single topic bills and 72 hours to read them. And Jim Jordan is now contributing to the chaos because he says, hey, I'll run to be Speaker of the House. It's not just on economic issues. It's not just on immigration issues. Most disconcerting to me is that it's on issues related to our body. There is a war Obviously, for our souls, we know this. We know that Satan is a roaring lion looking to seek, you know, seeking to devour us. We know this. But there's the spiritual war, and then there's the war for bodies, and it is so pronounced and so clear. There's a woman named Dr. Mary Bowden. She was a, is and was a doctor in Texas. She found out she was fired by her hospital uh, because a reporter called and said, Hey, how do you respond to having been fired? And she said, what are you talking about? Fired? I haven't been fired. He goes, oh, yeah, you have. I have got the paperwork. She then saw a social media post from her hospital saying, yeah, this lady's fired because she's dangerous. She's a dangerous person. What was she doing? She was treating people who had COVID-19. She was treating them with, well, this horse paste called ivermectin sometimes in concert with this poison called hydroxychloroquine and often with what they use in the gas chambers, vitamin D. Dangerous, dangerous human person, a doctor, moves to see her de-licensed. That didn't happen, thank God. So Dr. Mary Bowden is a dissident doctor. She had the temerity to take audio of a pharmacist refusing to fill an order for ivermectin According to her post, this is what's been happening to Dr. Bowden since. I'm sorry? Dr. Bowden, please. Uh, she's with patients right now. How can we help? Okay. Um, can you relay a message for me? Yes, absolutely. Tell her not to message or talk about Savannah ever again, or it's going to be a horrible day in health with a lot of you. Okay. And can I get... So Savannah Sparks, according to Mary Bowden, and according to the audio I heard, 
was a pharmacist who lectured Mary Bowden that, no, I'm not going to fill your prescription, even though the pharmacist apparently had no idea the significance of the dosage that Dr. Bowden was issuing, had no idea how the drug actually works. She had just heard from the bullies in the medical industrial complex that that's Joe Rogan's stuff. That's horse paste. She has no medical degree. She doesn't treat patients. Mary Bowden does. How is this related to Washington, D.C.? How is this related to being yoked? Isn't it clear? The war is for the body now. It's not, quote, just the soul. But the body's the tabernacle. And then, of course, tactically speaking, control the food, control the people, control the medicine, control the people. Guys, I have to be honest. I am not. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I am a collusion theorist. And the World Economic Forum is in an obvious state of collusion against our interests. That's also, of course, true with COVID, right? We are all only as healthy as our neighbor is on our street and our city and our region and our nation and globally. And did we solve that? Like, did we actually manage to vaccinate everyone in the world? No. So highlighting water as a global commons and what it means to work together and see it both out of that kind of global commons perspective, but also the self-interest perspective, because it is it does have that parallel. It's not only important, but it's also important because we haven't managed <laughs> to solve those problems, with, which had similar attributes. And water is something that people understand. You know, climate change is a bit abstract. Some people understand it really well. Some understand it a bit. Some just don't understand it. Water, every kid knows how important it is to have water. When you're playing football and you're thirsty, you need water. So there's also something about really getting citizen engagement around this and really, in some ways, experimenting with this notion of the common good. Can we actually deliver this time in ways that we have failed miserably other times? And hopefully we won't keep failing on the other things, but anyway. I hope that chills you like it chills me. Um, Injecting the entire globe with modified... RNA gene sequencing devices would have done nothing to stop this virus. And what she's saying, or I hear her saying, is we need now to scare people about the water they drink. Well, how would you do that? You'd limit access to it. How would you do that? Well, the same way we limited access to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin by controlling it at the source. Who else is doing that? Well, China, uh, the Chinese Communist Party is buying up American farms and water rights. And by the way, Bill Gates is also buying up land and limiting people's access to meat. See, I'm a collusion theorist. Bill Gates is limiting people's access to meat by driving up the cost to produce it with carbon offsets and using Microsoft's money to drive up the cost of carbon offsets for ranchers. This is happening at the same time as global health technocrats are telling us that eating meat kills the children and kills you and kills the humans. So they intend to limit access to meat the same way they did to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and sitting right there in the background is Bill Gates to make money on this. We need to be unyoked. Where are our Christian farms and ranches who will not be beholden to any of this? There are young people who get it. I cannot wait to play this clip for you. She gets it. This is A Disciple's View. I'm Todd Herman.
Hey, I appreciate you listening to Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. I have this, uh, there's a book called Thriving in Babylon. I'm, I'm sure you've read this. I got an opportunity to see the author. Uh, he addressed a sermon to us at our church in, uh, in Idaho. And I do have, I, I want to get him on the show to have a discussion with him about if he still contends that things were worse in Babylon than they are now. I'm not to say that Babylon wasn't terrible. It was, obviously. You know, people being burned alive and people being tortured and taken captive. And, and I look, though, at the ability of people who intend to allow evil to work through them now uh, to transmit their ideas so very quickly and, in fact, to simply, simply use the, the amplification processes available to them now and the lies that the enemy tells to get kids to mutilate themselves and to, to change their sexual views and to empower people who intend to control us. They don't need to march armies anymore. We've talked about just in the last segment. We talked about this form of psychological one-world government. It's not fences. It's not even necessarily armies. It's just that all authorities everywhere agree that they know what truth is and only they do. They should be able to decide who gets to speak truth and who doesn't. They should be able to determine what misinformation is. They should be able to continue to spend at levels that no one, if we take the time to do the math, no one believes we can pay back. They should be allowed to continue to cause the people to groan. Because when the wicked rule, the people groan. And yet we're yoked. We've talked about unyoking ourselves by realizing what we can do is the heart, heads, and hands of the Lord Jesus to build a parallel Christian society. Not to stop being citizens, but in fact to be unyoked to every degree possible from unbelievers. And in that way to provide an example for others to say, wow, it's different over there. Why are you guys so different? Well, because it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. There are young people plenty who get what's going on at a government level, they are absolutely ripe to be talked with about the Lord Jesus and about the fact that this human sin problem has existed since the Garden of Eden. This desire to build uh, edifices to our own wisdom. right? And there are kids, we're about to hear from a kid who gets it in, tra- in regard to 15-minute cities. These are real. These are being employed now. Uh, There are cities in England where you have to ask to drive your car outside of a 15-minute zone. And there's actual gates manned by not police officers, but helpful public servants. The whole design is you don't drive without permission. Everything you need is within, within 15 minutes. And if it's not, you need to move to where everything you need is within 15 minutes. Why? Because they want us all in one spot. So much easier to control. So in this little clip here, you just brought me back to what Jesus tells us we must be. The Lord Jesus tells us we must be like little children, understanding we need God and his wisdom. True, and amen. And here's a little kid, a 12-year-old, who's gained some wisdom about those who seek to become their own gods. Vandalism, that's what it is, vandalism. They are getting filling foam from places like Tool Station 669, and they are vandalising the cameras that the Mayor of London is trying to put up in order to police 
the ULEZ zone, the ultra-low emission zone that he's planning to expand to, well, pretty much anywhere near the back end of London and beyond. People are vandalising his cameras. Certain places, every single camera that's been put up has been sprayed with this filling foam. 669, tools taken. <laughs> and I think it's My bad. Can we you stop know, there for a second, Adam? Uh, uh, that is my mistake. I thought that was a clip of a 12-year-old girl. It's obviously not. It's a woman. But she is being so, so clever in applauding what's going on. And it's vandalism, and it goes against Romans 13. And it's bound to happen. What she's describing, we talked about earlier, that people do not want to be held in their homes in the ultra-low emission zones by cameras that take pictures of their license plates saying, I, you were driving at night. How dare you go out for a drive then? Yes, Romans 13 applies. And in the United States, we have a constitution. You don't get to do that. Constitution, I think, is inspired. It's an inspired document. Second only to the Bible, I think, as the greatest human-written document, the Bible, of course, being God-inspired. We'll get to that young girl. We'll play that tomorrow. I apologize to this audience. I apologize to Adam. I believe that the Lord invented humor. Do you? He invented music. He invented everything. Inventing humor, I think that probably God has a sense of humor. I think of the Tower of Babel as an opportunity for God to show his sense of humor. Oh, you guys are powerful like me? You guys have decided to live where you want to, not where I told you to go? Okay. I'm going to give you all different languages and then watch and see what happens. Hey, you can't build your tower. We thank the Lord for placing the supposedly wise on tall towers of shaking sand with our feature called the Tower of Babbling. You know about the biblical truth of the Tower of Babel. A Disciple's View presents... Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Trans women are women, trans men are men, and non-binary people are non-binary. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. The Tower of Babbling. Three stories of babbling. There I was. Yeah, I was just babbling, getting the description of that clip wrong. That's God reminding me. Hey, careful. One day you might have dementia. Figurehead Biden has a question for what he calls mega Republicans. Now, I'm not mega. I'm not a Republican, but I think I can help answer. The thing that that I have trouble trying to figure out is what it is that other than protecting the Constitution, what is it that these mega Republicans think is extreme about what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. They haven't been. I mean, I haven't heard seen any articulation of any of that extreme well you are flooding our border with people to the tune of nine million coming on nine million people since you have been installed as president uh, without any idea of who they are you're using government resources to secret them around the country flying them into municipalities where they will eventually end up voting in a way that overturns the, the 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 true intent of american citizens because these people have been modeled, told, hey, rules don't apply to you, and this is a place you simply come to get money. So many of them will turn into good, good citizens. So many of them will say, hey, I'll take you up on that offer. So that's rather extreme. You've said to the Supreme Court, yeah, I don't really care that you said federal government is out of the abortion business. I'm going to keep a minute by using military bases. That's extreme. You've said, hey, I don't care that the Supreme Court has now said twice, or a courts have said now twice, that, um, that pretending you have the ability to forgive college debt 
is not within your purview. Well, he, I, Biden said, I don't care. I'm going to continue to do it. And it's not even forgiving the debt, of course. It's just taking debt that some people occurred and putting it on the backs of others. Well, we could continue on, I suppose. We could talk about the fact that you're enabling drug trafficking, sex trafficking, and human trafficking across our border. We could discuss that. There's a lot that you're doing that's extreme. The most extreme is pretending it's not extreme. But I don't know if he knows it's extreme. Truly, I don't. And that is sad. Second story in the Tower Babbling. Everyone in the party is choosing to pretend it's suddenly chaos because of what Matt Gates and the conservatives have done. But somehow it's not chaos having a man who's so sadly gripped by dementia being called president. I hope this experience for the speaker has been one of a personal revelation. I'm not being facetious. I, uh, um, anyway. That is very, very sad. Dementia is not funny. My mom's second husband had it before he died. Very, very tragic. My grandfather was gripped by it before he died. Equally tragic. And what is the babbling part is that everyone in D.C. is effectively saying normal, normal, normal. It's all very normal. Joe Biden's as crisp mentally as he ever has been. Is this sacrosanct? We're not able to say the truth that, no, he's, he's not there. We have to be able to speak truth. Last clip, and it does feature the figurehead again in the Tower Babbling. When people live long enough in lies, they become the lie. And do you ever sense that, that Joe Biden is no longer able to see any truth? I'll do a fact check with the chat fact check on this clip in just a moment. When I left the Senate, I was able to convince Strom Thurmond to vote for the Voting Rights Act. Strom Thurmond. Okay. Fact check. Strom Thurmond died in 2003. Joe Biden didn't leave the Senate until 2009. The Voting Rights Act passed in 1965 before Joe Biden was in office. (laughs) None of what he said is true, but does he know it to not be true? It's a funny thing what people know. That was the third story in the Tower Babbling. It's a funny thing what people know at early ages. I was walking with my daughter and we were on Salty, we're in um, Alki Beach in Seattle. If you've not been there, it used to be utterly, breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, it's a beach right across Puget Sound from downtown Seattle. Uh, and you look across the water, there is the skyline, which is still, still breathtaking and beautiful. In fact, it was Alki that was going to be the home of Seattle. That was where the development would occur, but there was a contest between two. Now, warring groups of settlers, one of them wanted it across the sea, and he won, although they had to go through many, many, many machinations to make that work because it was effectively sludge. We would go down to this beach, my daughter and I, and she would speed skate, and, and I would ride a bike with her. It was practice. It was fellowship. It was being with my kid. One day, we were done. We'd wrapped up secured my bike in a day where it could be secured. Today in Seattle, that bike would have been gone in 10 minutes. Right after I put it on the car, it would have been gone. And they would have stolen it in front of me. Wasn't that bad then? 
We secured the bike, put our skates in the car, and we were walking to go eat. As we walked along, there was some men walking into this restaurant where we were going to eat. And they were wearing fishnet stockings and leather jackets and high-heeled women's shoes. And I said to my daughter, why do you think those men are dressed that way? She was nine. She said, well, they lost a bet. (laughs) They lost a bet. Nine-year-old. Later, she went through a phase where she was conned into thinking that so-called transgenderism was real. Scary phase for us. And God brought her out of that. I don't know how. She went to a school, a government school, I'd said earlier, that sometimes it's better to send a kid to a government school to go and see. Sometimes as a mission field. And my daughter went to this government school. She came home one day. I was driving her home from school. And she said, Dad, there's a boy at school who thinks he's a dog. I said, really? Well, how do you feel about that? She goes, no, no, Dad, listen. I'm not kidding. He actually wears a dog suit. And today was his birthday. And his older brother walked into school on a leash. And he was on his hands and knees, and I talked to him at school, and he got to play in the backyard on his hands and knees, and he got to eat his breakfast out of a dog bowl and drink his water, lapping it out of a dog bowl. I said, that's very, very extreme. How do you feel about it? She goes, it's insane. Dad, it's insane. And I said to her, honey, to me, it's all insane. She said, wow, wow, I get it. I really get it. She had seen, the homeschooled girl, homeschooled girl had seen and had determined that, wow, none of this is real. I asked her, do you remember that day that we went on that walk after we went skating and biking and you saw those men? She goes, oh my gosh. That was, that happened? I said, yeah. She goes, I've dreamt about that. That really happened? It did. It's also interesting what you learn about people in circumstances like that, in cities like that. This is one of my favorite memories of being in that city. We were also down there speed skating and biking one day. And we didn't take the skates off. I parked my bike at a tiny little restaurant. We went inside to eat. We were standing in line. And this guy turned to my daughter and goes, those are six skates. Can I see those? And he looked at him. He said, let me buy your lunch. And she said, my dad works at Microsoft. He's got a lot of money. And I said, honey, I believe Mr. Vetter has more money than I do. She didn't know the significance of that name until he got in the car and said, no, that was the lead singer of Pearl Jam. Nice man, by the way. Ungodly, but nice man. I'm still praying for him. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. And because we believe we speak, because he first loved us, we speak his word. We walk in the path of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Until we all speak again, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding rest upon you and your family. This is Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. God be with you.